Welcome to COP Talks, a podcast series designed to provide you with unique insights into COP28 UAE by Altamimi and Company. Hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in for this COP Talks podcast. I am Hamza Habubi, Altamimi and Company's in house ESG consultant. And I'm delighted to be joined today by a good friend of mine and former colleague, Fazal Abdurrahman. Fazal is the Sustainability and Climate Change VP at Dhaka, which is the Abu Dhabi National Energy Company. Fazal is also a strategy and sustainability leader with over 15 years of experience in the domains of energy transition, climate change, and sustainability. Welcome, Fazal. Thank you, Hamza. Thanks for having me on the show and looking forward to it. In this episode of COP Talks, we will explore the field of ESG and the buildup to COP28 with one of the top experts in the market. We will also cover the areas around UAE's Net Zero 2050 strategic initiative, the global stock take, which is a comprehensive assessment of progress against the goals of the Paris Agreement, and also the global goal on adaptation. Now, Fazal, with COP28 just around the corner, there is a growing sense of urgency in addressing climate change, with the UAE pledging to achieve net zero emissions by 2050, which is undoubtedly an ambitious target. Could you please share with us your perspective on what COP28 represents for the global sustainability efforts and also perhaps tell us more on how Taka plans to contribute to this nationwide goal. What initiatives perhaps are already in place to accelerate the progress? Sure, Hamza. To start with uh, why and how important is COP28? I mean, we are in a phase where climate change impacts are really visible. I mean, the impacts are not just given to us by the scientific bodies such as IPCC, but it's here for all of us to see, whether it's in the form of disastrous events across the globe or in terms of the economic after effects of that. So it's really time to convene and come together and for uh, the leading players to take meaningful actions and commitments. So from that perspective, COP28, especially with that happening in the UAE, where the expectation is to connect the global south and the north, it's really important. Now, coming to UAE's uh, role, uh, as we speak, it's a few weeks after UAE submitted its third update of national determined contribution to the UNFCCC, uh, which is nothing but set of UAE's commitment. And in the recent update of the document, UAE further accelerated its ambition. So as we speak, UAE has now committed to a 40% reduction from a business-as-usual scenario. And for the first time, and it's something which is unique, for any countries here in the region, the country is committing to an absolute reduction of emissions by 2030 compared to 2019. Now, there are several initiatives uh, in place which are already happening and expected to happen. And there are a lot of new initiatives also added to this. I mean, as you can imagine, a lot of initiatives are centric on the sector, uh, which is a predominant sector which UAE is based on. Uh, we all know about the renewable energy projects massive projects in the utility scale projects. Uh, so those will continue and expand. There's a lot of emphasis on UAE to decouple electricity and water production. So the new technology for producing water, which is known as reverse osmosis, is expected to come in play and reduce emissions. 
uh, if you move into other sectors, especially industry and transport, there are programs around improving the energy efficiency, moving towards electricity and hybrids. But more importantly, you can see electrification of those sectors to come into prominence, and that forms a major part of UAE's net zero ambitions, and more importantly, the near-term 2030 ambitions. I think that's where TACA comes into a play. To reflect uh, TACA's emission reduction targets, last year we had set an ambition of 25% reduction globally, and uh, specifically within our UAE portfolio, we set a reduction of 33%. It reflects uh, some of the initiatives I mentioned just now, which is renewable energy and reverse osmosis. But a leading role where TACA is expected to play is the electrification of the sectors. So as you know, the industry and transport sectors have more fossil fuel intensive ways of producing energy. So the idea is to connect the industrial facilities to the grid so that they're connected to the nucleus and renewable. And when it comes to transport sector, there is more room for to play a leading role in providing renewable energy with electricity, electric or hybrid vehicles. So, so all in all, uh, COP28 is very important uh, in the current scheme of things, Hamza. Second, the UAE's ambitions have been further accelerated in the recent submission to the UN. And a big part of that is through the reduction in the energy sector emissions, which dominates UAE portfolio. A lot of ambitions by UAE, but uh, we are all quite confident confident UAE can make those, especially considering the recent efforts by UAE over the last many years. Indeed, indeed. Very interesting, Fazal. And now this brings us to another point whereby we understand that COP28 will be a milestone moment when the world will take stock of its progress on the Paris Agreement. Could you perhaps inform us why does this global stock take term matter? And ultimately, how does it support countries to continually strengthen their national climate plans? Definitely, Hamza. As, as the name suggests, which is global stock take, it is, a, it is an avenue where you take account of the inventory. When I say the inventory, it is where in terms of where exactly are we in terms of greenhouse gas emissions. And more importantly, there have been lots of changes and promises made uh, previously in the various national determined contributions and commitments by several parties. So this is the first time officially where inventory is taken in terms of where exactly are in terms of emissions. How are we comparing to the science-based target expectations? And uh, more importantly, where are we with the commitments which we made already? Are we really progressing on it? So, so it's an eye-opening stage for all the parties to reflect where exactly we are, not just showing a good picture just talking about uh, targets going ahead, but really reflecting where we are, where are we really missing out, where are the gaps? And once we have a positive global stock exercise, positive in the sense of uh, effective exercise, it really will help us to shape our way forward further, especially to close the gaps and make sure we accelerate further. So it's really important to understand where we are, take a pause and reflect where we are, rather than just convening every year and making on promises and promises which may or may not happen completely. Understood, understood. So yes, it is interesting to understand our current stance and build up on where we stand and how to work towards our ambition. And now, as the COP28 president-designate, Dr. Sultan al jabbar outlined the UAE's key COP28 priorities, 
across mitigation, adaptation, loss and damage, climate finance, and process innovation UAE has outlined. Could you please inform us on the difference between these key areas of focus around mitigation, adaptation, and addressing loss and damage? Sure, Hamza. I mean, the word sounds quite complicated, but I'll try to keep it simple. I mean, end of the day, what we call as climate change is nothing but greenhouse gases are being accumulated uh, outside Earth's atmosphere. And this comes from several forms, be it burning of, say, fossil fuel while we are producing electricity or energy, burning of fossil fuels in our cars, uh, waste, methane coming from the landfill. So there are several human actions which releases greenhouse gases. Now, to start with the word mitigation, so mitigation is all about making sure those release of greenhouse gases are reduced. So try to reduce the, let's say, the burning of fossil fuels, try to reduce the burning of fossil fuels in the cars, try to reduce the waste, CH4 or methane gases being released. So it's, mitigation is all about reducing the greenhouse gases being released. And that's where targets are set, whether it is on countries or companies, uh, on to what limit they can produce greenhouse gases. So less the greenhouse gases they produce, less the impact on the climate change and uh, the intern impacts, whether it's on the temperature rise, the effect on the water cycle and so forth. The second term is adaptation. So adaptation is all about, yes, of course, we try to reduce the impact of greenhouse gases released. But especially now we are in a stage, we see the greenhouse gases are already there to a great extent and the effects of climate change are taking place which is increasing temperature, which is affecting our efficiency of operations, more and more floods, more and more, what you say, unbalanced in the water cycle system, the rains are not coming enough, or if at all they're coming, they're coming in huge quantities and causing heavy uh, extreme uh, weather events. So adaptation is all about you assume, if in case the events are happening or the harmful effects are happening, how exactly you are ready to take a uh, adapt to those unforeseen circumstances. So it's all about making sure adapt, adapt to adverse effects of climate change. Now, an example is say we are expecting the sea level rise to increase. For example, that's something which might be applicable for the UAE in, in say five to 10 or beyond. We might have to maybe build some sea walls at our seashores so that we are trying to prevent those hitting the seashores. The best example is recently we are seeing uh, the river Yamuna hitting the walls of Taj Mahal, first time in the history. So build something to protect or counter that impact of that event. Another example is say temperature is increasing. There are more and more heat waves assets or uh, say the power producing equipments that are having lower efficiency. So maybe build the equipments to counter that increase in temperature, have some cooling systems in place. So that's another example. Uh, Third is maybe the rise of sea level and water beneath some of the infrastructure is coming. So maybe you have to build your homes, I don't know, one or few meters higher so that you are not affected by the water. So all such infrastructure being built or policies put in place to make sure we are not harmfully affected uh, by the effects of climate change, that is all about adaptation. And loss and damage is... It's, it's the most uh, negative end of the uh, side of the spectrum. So if a loss and damage has happened, 
say such as earthquakes or floods or uh, cyclones as you see in some parts of the americas how can we make sure we bring back people and the infrastructure and the lives to the normal situation so that's all about loss and damage so so if i may summarize uh, hamza mitigation is reduce the greenhouse gases adaptation is if make sure you're planning for climate change so if a climate change even happens how are you planning to adapt to the harmful effects last but not the least loss and damage is make sure how after a damage you are in a situation where uh, things can be brought back into a normal scenario thanks that's a great summary on the key areas and just out of curiosity and going back to the last area which is the loss and damage fund and building on the progress made in the previous COP in Sharm el-Sheikh to fully operationalize the loss and damage fund. What might be some possible sources of funding for addressing this loss and damage fund? That's a, that's a very good question, Hamza. And I think that's where the role of finance comes into play. I think a lot of COP discussions over the recent years have been very technical in terms of the terms which we mentioned. Uh, there was, I would say in COP26, it, there was much more positive discussion with respect to finance sector coming into play. But see, it's, a, it's, a, it's not an easy solution in terms of financing because let's say the insurance industry, it's not no longer easy for them to plan for a lot of catastrophic events and keep funding out all the money because that will affect their business model. But, but some of the discussions, to summarize to your question, some of the discussions being happened is, of course, the first and uh, primary option is to secure some public finance from the government towards loss and damage. But all of us know the public finance itself is not enough. So that's where you have to go to the private sector and the private finance. At the moment, there are maybe a handful of examples, if not a uh, lot of examples, but all, all those efforts in private financing is, is, is not kind of structured enough. So that's an option to be tapped in apart from public finance. Third is you could expect a lot of schemes which are being discussed, put some levies and taxes on high emitting industries uh, or high emitting sectors and make sure a part of that levy or tax or including some of the taxes currently beat the normal tax or the carbon tax being earmarked for such instances. Fourth is the option which is being discussed is uh, litigational uh, fees. So make sure regulations come into play into the financing scheme and based on a levy and a litigation mode, make sure some of the finance is concentrated towards loss and damage. Now it's, it's all being discussed, but the big challenge uh, in this COP is actually, as you said, operationalizing the loss and damage financing. Yes, COP27 in Egypt, the success was loss and damage and financing of it was brought in as an agenda item, which all parties agreed. But now how we are financing for that loss and damage, uh, how are the different sectors coming into play? Uh, I think that is the one which needs real discussions and it's not an easy discussion, but although it's not an easy discussion, all we know is that it's an important discussion. There are quite a lot of countries these days uh, that just come to the COP expecting to have some finances being agreed to make sure the lives of several peoples are brought back to normalcy. So it's an important topic uh, to tackle, but not an easy one to handle, Hamza, especially in terms of financing. Agree, agree, agree. An interesting breakdown, Fazal. Now, Fazal, as we near the end of our conversation, 
what message would you like to leave our listeners with, inspiring them to take action towards a more uh, sustainable future, perhaps? Uh, very important question. I think all, all of us, I mean, all of us who are working in the ESG industry and not uh, look at climate change as if, as if it is something very complex. Uh, some of them used to distance from climate change thinking it's it's something weather or an environment related scientific thing which you don't have to be involved. But end of the day, each of us meet in whatever industry or whatever job, all of us have a lot to play when it comes to climate change. Even if individually, rather than we talking about companies or governments, there are bits and pieces which we can do ourselves so that we do our part. Firstly, as a person or an individual, make sure you are uh, using your resources responsibly. That's number one, making sure the next generation is having more awareness through you, through you leading as an example on climate change. And third, of course, you being a person in a society or in the company you work, make sure ESG is embedded into the way of living rather than just talking about it as a side topic. So, so it could all be done uh, starting from each of us as a single person, understanding what is the role we have to play, how we can improve and how we can back life. So, so it's really uh, something for all of us to step in rather than just talking about climate change from a COP28 angle, countries, uh, talk, politics and everything. Apart from barring from all these, we should do our part. Thank you so much, Fazal, for joining us today and sharing your insights. It really is inspiring to see how industries like yours are leading the charge towards a greener and more sustainable world. To our listeners out there, thank you for tuning in to our COP Talk series. We hope you found our discussion insightful and interesting. If there's any area of the conversation that you would like to discuss or want more information on, please do get in touch with us.